KRRL's Eastern Pennsylvania section presents What Hams Do, a regular podcast that shows everyone this isn't your grandfather's amateur radio. In today's episode, we'll meet Abby Smith, an 11-year-old scout from Danville, PA, who just got her technician's license, and Charlie Lee, a young 20-something entrepreneur, an amateur extra-class license holder who comes to ham radio from the hacker culture. We'll explain more about that in a minute, but first, Abby. What made you think you wanted to become a ham radio operator? It's kind of like like the domino effect, because if one person gets it, then everybody else wants to. And ham radio would be a really good thing for everybody to have, because if you're in an emergency, how are you going to contact other people? So I was thinking, well, if I got mine, then all my friends would want to get it too. So then more people would be able like, to do it and help people. And the one person who got it before Abby was her dad, Tom Smith. He's a relatively new ham too, but was into radio in the Air Force years ago. I started thinking about it about a year ago, and my wife went to a scout event and ran into Dave Mosteller. The head of a local ham radio club, Dave Mosteller, callsign KC3JNW, had a booth at this event, and as Tom puts it, it was kismet. He had a booth set up at uh, the Bloomsburg Community Day, and she knew I was interested, so she stopped at the booth and got some information, which was kind of, you know, kismet, because he w- he was looking to get youth involved, and I was looking to get youth involved as well, so it kind of turned out to be a really good thing. I'm using, like, uh, I think it's a Yesu 2-meter radio, and my first contact was my dad was in the house, and I was in the backyard, and we were talking to each other, so I think that was my first thing. And I'm on frequency 147.405. But that's just the beginning. Next on Abby's agenda... And I think pretty soon we're going to make our own, like, antenna. We're going to make one for camping. So I think that's what we're going to make, one for camping. And at Camp Levine, we're going to go and we're going to make, like, a ham radio station. So, yeah, that's I think we're going to do that. And after that on Abby's agenda is her general license. She'll study for it over the summer break. But she and Tom aren't the only ones in the family. Now, as I understand it, your wife is also involved. Is she licensed or just uh, involved in the scouts? Well, Abby is teaching her right now. They've gotten through sub-element one. They're working on two. So Abby's doing that. And that's a good way to learn it, you know, to teach somebody else. Tom's referring to the elements in the FCC's license examination. The technician's license exam is element two. Now, to confirm Abby's domino theory... Tom added this. We got four parents and two scouts working on their license, and I think it'll spread. Once, once they get to camp and they, you know, they have a way to communicate and do some really cool experiments, I, I think it'll spread. And I, I really want to get these guys into you know, the science of it, maybe do some uh, earth, moon, earth bounce and you know, things like that just to teach them all the, all the cool things you can do. Dave Mosteller, the ham radio club guy I mentioned earlier, recognizes that promoting all the aspects of amateur radio is the way to attract more and more people to the hobby. I try to try to emphasize all the different things that we do as hams. We have the emergency communications. We can talk to, to 
people through satellites. We can even download pictures from the International Space Station and things like that. And I think that uh, that kind of stuff really resonates with the, the younger people. Abby's path into amateur radio is pretty traditional. Let's place Abby and her friends in a class of young people aged 11 to 17, the age of scouts and explorers. But older kids, kids in their last year or two of high school, and young men and women in college and graduate school are also getting their licenses. And that brings us back to Charlie Lee, the young entrepreneur, technology consultant, and part-time college student who is in the thick of new technologies, attracting young people to ham radio. Charlie belongs to two different youth-focused ham clubs, the Yachts, that's Y-A-C-H-T-S, for Young Amateurs Communications Ham Team Club, and YARC, Y-A-R-C, the Young Amateurs Radio Club. I asked Charlie why he got into ham radio. A lot of it has nothing to do with talking to people. And it was really just about, really just exploring how wireless communication works in general because I'm really into, really in the computing industry, um, building, uh, building computing hardware in particular, you know, doing stuff of that nature, making these tools the best tools possible to solve various sorts of issues. It's more about more about you know being able to control machinery, control objects, you know, wirelessly instead of you know having to plug stuff in. So advanced technology in ham radio is attracting younger people. Am I hearing you correctly? That's part of it. Or even just the opportunity to experiment with technology on ham radio is going to be over in the future, that's going to be more of the driving force rather than people-to-people -people communication. Control machinery, control objects wirelessly, basically transferring data wirelessly, not people-to-people -people communications. So think about those TV shows you've seen where young people build computer-controlled wireless robots fighting each other. However, the limitations experimenters have found under the FCC's Part 15 frequencies and power levels reserved for industrial, scientific, and medical uses don't meet the experimenter's needs. Part 97, the part defining amateur radio frequencies and power levels, is far better suited for experimenting with the wireless control of things. So, in other words, an amateur radio license is required for these experimenters to achieve their goals. But wait a minute. We can control things wirelessly now without ham radio, can't we? We know we can lock our cars from an app on our phones thousands of miles away. I can answer my doorbell in Philadelphia while on vacation in Spain, and I've done that, but only on my cell phone connected to the public internet. To experiment with controlling things at great distances when conditions are right, or controlling things privately on a non-public network independent of hackable servers on the public internet, you need a ham license. So are today's young experimenters a wholly new breed of hams? Or are they carrying on the very traditions that started amateur radio? Let's not forget that experimenters were the first amateur radio operators. Charlie advises those of us who want to expand amateur radio to, as he puts it, stop talking about ham radio. When I first heard him say that, I thought he was saying stop talking about ham radio boomer. <laughs> A lot of hams today are of that age, you know. But that wasn't it at all. 
He was trying to show us that young, highly skilled and highly motivated programmers and computer hardware builders are going to be interested in aspects of amateur radio other than talking to someone around the world. And his point was, when you describe ham radio to these young bright people as a person-to-person -person communications tool, it may evoke an image that isn't conducive to growing the hobby. Rather, he says, focus on transferring data wirelessly and then... Then that would be the entry point. Then that would be, okay, so you're doing it this way, so here are some other ways that you can consider doing it, like considering that there are different conditions, different solar conditions, different propagation characteristics. Once they kind of get it at a very basic level on their own, then you can introduce, you know, okay, here are some other options to consider. One thing Charlie and his cohorts say to the older generation of amateur radio enthusiasts is that the hobby could lose the opportunity to attract younger people if they first discuss person-to-person -person communications as the key feature of ham radio. Is that true? Well, it depends. To an 11-year-old girl in the Scouts in rural Montour County, Pennsylvania, Charlie's warning doesn't hold true. She's happy to talk about ham radio and hear others talk about it as a person-to-person -person communications tool. And for Dave Mosteller, the club president, for the 11 to 17-year-old group, it's pretty crucial. Especially if you can get them to, to talk to somebody or at least hear somebody that's in another country, that, uh, that, really, uh, that really does it. But to a savvy programmer in his or her 20s, working in a high-tech incubator in University City in Philadelphia, Picking up a microphone or tapping a code key to someone halfway around the world isn't nearly as exciting as transmitting a signal that controls a device or a whole system miles away. Charlie's entry into ham radio comes from hacking. <laughs> no, not the kind of hacking that steals personal information from credit agencies, but the kind of hacking that represents thinking outside the box. A hack is an ingenious workaround or problem-solving solution that uses unconventional methods. Charlie describes his early hacking efforts this way. Actually building hardware to do cool things with it. And increasingly so, these projects have included wireless features built into it, or even the wireless was in fact the focal technology of those projects. So again, out-of-the-box thinking to find ingenious solutions to real problems. And some of those out-of-the-box ingenious solutions require an amateur radio license. So is there an unbreachable dichotomy between generations here? Not really. Abby Smith represents the part of ham radio that follows the FCC's rule 97.1A, service to the public, particularly with respect to providing emergency services or as Abby puts it. And ham radio would be a really good thing for everybody to have because if you're in an emergency, how are you gonna contact other people? And Charlie and his hacker generation friends represent part B, where it talks about advancement of the radio art, and part C, which refers to advancing skills, and part D as well, which refers to trained electronics experts. Experimenting and thinking outside the box is exactly how ham radio got started. Why should anyone think that level of innovation has passed? The truth is, amateur radio today is both Abby and Charlie and more. Our big tent is open, so come on in. We'll explore more on this topic with Charlie and other guests in our next episode of this podcast that we call What Hams Do. 
So make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next episode. And remember, this isn't your grandfather's amateur radio. This is Jay Silber speaking for the Eastern Pennsylvania section of the ARRL. 73, everybody. (laughs) Oh, that's ham talk for See You Around. (music) 